0: Welcome everyone inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Mark Allison here with my man Justin Quinn. We've got a very special episode today. Uh, We've got, you know him on Twitter as Danger Cart, Ryan Bernadoni. We're doing a deep cap dive. Uh, A little bit later, going to get into a lot of uh, breaking down the Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving possibilities, uh, what you can and can't. Expect uh, things that can happen, won't happen. Um, It'll be a good primer for you to uh, maybe we can throw out some of the ridiculous ideas that we've seen people throwing all over the place on Twitter. Uh, we got the Toronto Raptors NBA champions. Uh, They did that with Kawhi Leonard on a year rental, essentially, Uh, whether he stays there now. I would say they probably have a pretty good shot. So, Justin, what does that mean? In terms of Anthony Davis to the Celtics, does that make things more likely that they're going to want to chase after him after seeing what Toronto was able to do?
1: Well, there's a couple of things that are going to potentially, you know, act as a kind of a ripple effect based on this series. And to be completely honest, the first NBA championship outside of the United States is actually probably one of the lesser factors in play. Uh, chief of which really uh, I think above everything else is still the Anthony Davis trade outcome uh, followed very closely uh, by the uh, season erasing injury that Kevin Durant suffered in game five of that series, uh, re-injuring his leg, uh, tearing his Achilles, looking at like a nine to 12 month recovery. Uh, But, Before we even get into that, I think that maybe we should turn our focus to those two main factors that seem to be the singular uh, blockages to everything else going on. Uh, You know, I knew this was coming. We all knew this was coming. But Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis and where they're going to play, you know, we, we, we kind of just took it as a given that Kyrie was coming back and that Anthony Davis was being traded here at the beginning of the season, even if we didn't talk about it as much as we could have. And now those things are far from certain. And, you know, there's, there's just been a crazy timeline over the last couple of weeks. I thought maybe we could just take a look at uh, what really sparked the current iteration of Anthony Davis slash Kyrie Irving, uh, where they're going to be discussions, I guess we can call
0: that. Right, right. So wh- now here we are. We're in the midst of, uh, we've, it, it seems like it's a two headed race for Davis right now uh, between the Celtics and the Lakers. Uh, we've seen some different offers proposed both sides. Um, you know, uh, the Lakers are looking at some kind of combination of the number four pick, Lonzo Ball, uh, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart. Is it Josh Hart? Who's the Who's the third player?
1: It's really not clear. I think that the main the main thing is either uh, Ball and or Ingram uh, and the, the, the crazy... And the number four. Yeah, the number four pick. But the craziest thing to me, uh, we've had this discussion, you know, uh, off off the pod several times as well, is that the the, the Lakers seem to be uh, sticking on whether or not they will include Kyle Kuzma, which I mean, like, is right. very talented. He's very talented. But I mean, he might not ever make the all-star team in the East, never mind the West. Can, can uh,
0: you imagine? They're the team that Davis wants to play for, right? So he wants to be there. You already have LeBron James, right? you're gonna hold up that deal over Kyle Kuzma. I, I don't I don't is that even possible? Is I don't I don't know man. I, I that seems like that seems like banana land. Well if you know this guy will sign an extension with you and you already have LeBron James, you you they would be the front runner out west regardless of whoever else they bring in to play with those guys, right?
1: Sounds suspect, right? It just sounds so uh, it doesn't,
0: ridiculous. Uh, yeah, with, with with this day and age and the misinformation that gets thrown around, um, you know, that's yeah, yeah. You have to take everything with a grain of salt. But I would think it would be. I, I mean, it would be? Wouldn't it be so Lakers though? Like dysfunctional Lakers to blow up that trade over Kyle Kuzma? And then for the Celtics, we're looking at um, from reports and whatever and kind of assumptions to thinking a deal somewhere of Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Yavasele, and some plethora of picks. Now, I personally think that that package is much more attractive, so I'm not really sure what it is. If that is true, I'm, I'm sure Ainge doesn't want to trade Marcus Smart in that deal, but um, at the same time... You know, from from what they're looking at, they're looking for an all-star player. Now, while Tatum is not necessarily an all-star yet, I think we're pretty safe to assume that he would be uh, in short order, right? Uh, especially if he was, you know, a centerpiece on the Pelicans next year. So, I mean, I don't think it's that far of a stretch to to think that that fills that role. And then plus another promising young player in Marcus Smart, that, that kind of checks off the boxes into what we, we know that the Pelicans are looking for. Uh, Plus, the Celtics have a plethora of picks, including that Memphis pick, uh, which could be very valuable. To me, and granted, I mean, you know, I I think that package has a higher upside, and I think the Lakers, unless there's somebody that the Pelicans love at number four, you know, I guess Ingram and Tatum can be pretty interchangeable in terms of, uh, I I mean, I I guess they're both pretty good packages. I mean, this is essentially the same package that the Lakers were offering at the trade deadline. Anyways, so... Justin, what are we looking at here? Obviously, we've got Kyrie, um, you know, still playing the quiet game. We don't know what he's doing. Uh, I have to think, though, that that Danny Ainge and him, I know Danny said he's had conversations with him. How much do you think, you know, Danny actually knows about Kyrie's intentions? Now, obviously, like, like, like how does that conversation go? Like, when... Yeah, so you think you're going to come back next year? We're thinking about doing this. this, Like how, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure he's obviously discussed getting Anthony Davis with Kyrie, right?
1: The the chatter that I'm hearing is that he is on good terms with just about everyone on the team, uh, at least in a professional capacity. Maybe on the court, those... Things that we're hearing from the likes of uh, Mannix about a rocky relationship with the younger players. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. That doesn't sound like what Jason Tatum was reporting on his appearance recently on Jeff Goodman's um, podcast through, I think, Stadium. Um, Good and Plenty, I think it's called. And, you know, if we look back at what we do know. okay, so this is the timeline. Uh, a few a few weeks ago, just before I think we last putted, uh, Brooklyn moved uh, Alan Crabb, Pretorian Prince, and basically opened up a second mech slot. We didn't know who for, for who, uh, but... Kevin Durant. Was, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> we weren't sure, and it may not be, you know, they may not be able to now at this point, particularly with what happened to Durant, uh, but... You know, the situation presumably after he injured himself was that, that that possibility was less interesting. But now they're still rumbling that lots of teams are still very happy to throw five years at him, even if he's going to sit. But then the question of does Kyrie want to blow yet another season? Right.
0: Already? In his prime. You know? Yeah, I, that's that's where it falls off the wheels for me, because, yes, these I'm sure these teams. I'm the Celtics would probably give Durant a five year deal for if they had the opportunity to do so, you know, if if it was feasible and they could do it. Um, even knowing he's going to miss a year. But that's not the problem here. The problem is, is it more is Irving leaving? He's going to leave to go to a better situation, right? Unless playing in Brooklyn is that means that much to him being close to his home in New Jersey. And, and that very well may, may be the case. I have a hard time believing he's going to go there without another star in place, right? So it, it, it doesn't seem like Brooklyn has the capacity to pull in a Davis. So...
1: You know, who else could they possibly get that to pair up with Kyrie? They may be selling him on the future. I mean, the idea of if they really can pry uh, Durant away from Golden State, who, after Clay has hurt his knee, they may actually be considering it. I mean, they're looking at nearly a billion dollars in luxury taxes. And, you know, maybe they are rich enough to, to pony up and maybe they'll make enough over time if they keep this court together. But I'm telling you, moving into a new arena with two of your three best players laid up with season injuries for the coming season, it just doesn't seem very realistic.
0: Not ideal, yeah. Which brings us to Davis, um, because I think that a uh, Kyrie and Ainge, and in, in any conversations that they've had, you have to think that that they've discussed the potential of bringing in Davis and what that would mean. You know, course, and, and and at least whether Kyrie has told him anything about, it, you can tell, you know, that he's tipped his hand at least that that would be something that appeals to him, right? And, and I know a lot of people say, uh, worried about if Davis gets traded to Boston. Um, about leaving this whole deal. We just saw what happened. With Kawhi Leonard going to uh, Toronto. They rolled the dice. They won a title. Even if Kawhi leaves, they're, they're money well spent, right? Um, if, you, if you put if you get Davis, it, this very well may be the case that Ainge is going to go get Davis just so he can re sign Kyrie. If you can get him into a five year deal, at least you'll still have a foundational star to be able to build around, even if Davis does walk next year. Because otherwise, we're going with the kid rebuild. And while that may, a lot of people think that's appealing, there's no guarantee that any of those guys fill out and become the stars that we think they'll be. And I'm talking about Jalen and Jason. Now, I think they're both going to be great, good NBA players, but. You know, they may never, you know, we may never find them as perennial all-stars. So it's it's hard to say, you know, if you keep Kyrie, you know what you have here. Um, and I think that having him for the next five years, we're, we're going into like the great prime of his career. I think he's in an ideal spot to sign a guy for that contract. And I think by trading for Davis, if that means you get to keep Kyrie, I think it's the move.
1: I still am not going to rule out a dark horse sweeping in with an in-sync offer. There is still some time for that to happen, um, but, you know, um, on the CBA side, which again we'll talk a little bit more about, the, the deal can't be consummated for Boston. It can be agreed to, but it cannot be consummated before uh, the July 1st moratorium. Between that and KD injuring his Achilles. Uh, it's, it's just a really big, a big question. So many factors that I think we need to really hold the magnifying glass to the things that are possible. Any ideas on how we could do that?
0: I think this is the perfect time to segue over to uh, Justin's interview with Danger Card himself, Ryan Bernadone.
1: Thanks, man. So we are here with Ryan Bernardoni, Celtics Twitter's favorite cat guru and former editor-in-chief of Celtics Hub. Uh, I'm sure most of you know him, but if you don't, you should definitely give him a follow. Uh, You would be more likely to know him on Twitter by his Twitter handle, Danger Cart. Uh, How are you doing, Ryan?
2: I'm doing very well. How are you?
1: A little, little, I don't know, shall we say anticipatory is the only word I can really think of to describe this purgatorial situation we seem to be in yet in another summer. Uh, We are recording Friday at noon, uh, so just a disclaimer that a lot or some of this may become completely pointless, but there's a lot of stuff going on out there right now in terms of what the Boston Celtics could do, uh, and we really have A lot of things that are very unlikely or even impossible that are kind of getting a lot more currency than they probably should be regarding things like sign-in trades and timing of certain actions and all of that. And I could not think of anyone better to discuss this with to try to help us sort through all of these rumors and potential options than Ryan. Um, So can try.
2: Thank you. That's (laughs) That's all we have. As you said, there's a lot of stuff that's out there, and there's a lot of things that are – you know, you know the there's always a lot of well, it's possibles involved in this, right? What's possible versus what's probable versus what's you know sort of out there unlikely but but you could see it there's a, a real wide range of every off season, but this one in particular, um, I think when you said we're, we're currently in purgatory, uh, that's a, a good description of where we are now and there's just so many things that can happen from here in so many different ways. but yeah, we can try to focus in on some of the more uh, reasonable, Um, and interesting things and maybe cut out some of the the real crazy stuff um, and leave that for Twitter uh, where that can live
1: (laughs) exactly so just some basics Uh, now we all know that salaries have to match whenever we are discussing say an Anthony Davis deal or really any deal Uh, but you know there's some details uh, and some some general restrictions on the timings uh, and you know whether a team's under the cap or over the cap um, as well as about unrestricted free agents. And Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just deal with the salary matching aspect uh, and, and general trade restrictions. Um, could you maybe give us some information about some of the, the more basic things that we need to be thinking about when discussing potential trades? Sure. Uh,
2: so I guess the first thing is that you don't, right, you don't always have to salary match. Uh, if a team is under the salary cap, then you can use your cap space to take players in trades, and then you don't need to worry about all the rules that I'll talk about in a second. Uh, the Celtics are unlikely to be under the cap by any really, they probably will not go under the cap at all. Uh, if they that. do, it, it means that a lot of <laughs> things have happened that are, people aren't going to necessarily like all that much. Uh, yeah. So operating as an, as an over-the-cap team, uh, you have a ton of different trade rules that that come into play, but the most basic one that you're talking about salary matching, which basically says uh, if you are um, a, a team that's ends a trade over the cap, so the Celtics will probably be starting trades over the cap and they will probably end trades over the cap. Um, if the salary that you're taking in the total salaries that you're taking in are uh, relatively small. So you can think of it as these aren't the exact numbers, but you can think of it as like under $10 million. If you're, if you're taking that in, then um, you have to have sent out an amount that's, sort of over half of what you're receiving. It's actually, you can take back 175% of what you're sending out, but just sort of, you know, trying to napkin sketch some different trade things. And you can think about it that way. So that's like sort of smaller amount players, right? Uh, if you're dealing with rookie players or, um, you know, players who maybe be signed for the MLE in the last couple of years, then that's kind of what you're dealing with. 175% of what you send out, you can take back. So that's usually pretty flexible and easy to work with. If you get into mm-hmm. that middle range of salaries, like 10 to 20 million, and again, these aren't the exact numbers because nobody cares about the exact numbers and this kind of uh, you know sketching things out, mm-hmm. you can take back up to 5 million more than what you send out. So you send out $12 million, you can take back 17 million um, in, in returning salaries. And one of the important things in here is that right, we're only talking about salaries in the year that you're dealing with. So if you trade a guy who makes 12 million this year, you can take back a guy who makes 17 million this year and then $18 million the year after, and $19 million the year after that. It's only this one year you're talking about, right? So you don't have to like add up all the years. It's You can just deal with one. And then the one that most matters um, for where the Celtics are, for Anthony Davis, things like that, is that for big salaries, you can take back 125% of the amount you send out. So Anthony Davis makes 27000000 million. He's got a trade bonus we can talk about that could put him up to 30 You have to send out a lot of money. You have to get pretty close to those salaries in order to, to match trades. This is like what the trade machine does on ESPN and Real GM and, and all that. And mm-hmm. um, the last thing I would say before I ramble too far is that the, the caveat to that is that if you are over the tax, so if you're going to be a tax team when the trade completes, then it's always limited to 125% of what you send out. So even if you're dealing with a, you're trying to acquire a, a $5 million salary, if you're going to be over the tax, you're further limited where you can only receive 125% of what you send out. So that can be, that can make a big difference if, if your team is, you know, sort of where exactly you're landing if you're kind of hovering around the tax line, things like that. But that's how salary matching works, is that the more money you want to take back, the more money you have to send to get closer to that as you sort of scale up the salary range. And so that's what the Celtics are dealing with when we talk about salary matching, um, which is, again, kind of the the thing that people care about when they go to make fake trades on the internet is usually Mm -hmm. salary matching. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and it seems to me that the philosophy behind it is not necessarily to prevent uh, contenders from being assembled, but to make it more difficult and costly, to make people make hard decisions and thereby at least m- minimally uh, add some incentives uh, for responsible team building and reward reward teams that do that. Uh, but there's some other restrictions too in terms of timing, both in terms of just generally when trades can happen. Uh, For just as a very basic example, we don't really need to discuss this, but for example, the Celtics could uh, retrade uh, Anthony Davis should they sign him and things kind of repeat like last year throughout much of the season. Uh, But they wouldn't be able to do that right away. Like, say it was just a disaster in the first couple of months and they wanted to maximize value for their investment, you know, because it's going to be a very significant offer if they they give up something for an anthony davis trade they won't get the same thing back particularly the longer they have him on the roster but there are some limitations so what are what are those well so you can
2: retrade players as long as you're retrading them on their own under Mm -hmm. most circumstances there's again there's like i said there's a lot of rules that get into this around specifics of if you had signed a contract extension with him or something like that. But in general, if you you trade a player and you're not trying to what's called aggregate their salaries, right, you're not adding together, say, Yabusele and Robert Williams trying to add to get $5 million in salary, right, if you're Mm -hmm. not trying to do that, you can trade players, you know, on their own. So the Celtics could turn around and trade him pretty quickly as long as they weren't trading anything else out with him, Um, assuming, you know, right, this is a fantasy world where they've just traded for Anthony Davis and they gave up whatever, you know, Tatum and Smart and everything else and they get part of the way through the season and they're like, this is a disaster. Every The same thing that happened this year is happening. Everybody hates each other. We want to pivot and get all those Laker players that aren't particularly good. Um, <laughs> you can turn around and do that. It's just you, can, you can't, you can like, group him with other things. Uh, right. And then there's other restrictions around that get pretty arcane as to, like, what type of signings you make for free agents and when whether you can trade them in December or January or, or all this stuff that um, gets you know, it gets pretty complicated. Uh, but in the in the basics, yeah, there's usually some kind of waiting period for trading players after you've changed their contract in some way, signed them, extended them, something like that. But if you traded for them and you want to just trade them out on their own, you can turn around and do that quickly.
1: Okay, cool. So that brings me to another point. And you, we see a lot of people saying, well, why don't we just Sign Terry Rozier for 15 million dollars and Mook Morris for twelve, and there we go. That's that's yeah. our trade right there. Why can't we just do that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so
2: one of the things that I have that I say to people frequently online when they come back to me with like, well, clearly we can just do this thing that like I will I'm the only person who's ever thought of this, right? I have come up with this idea and it's brilliant, and we will do that. Is that the CBA has existed for for quite a while now in its sort of basic framework. So it's been around since the 80s that they've been coming up with these deals. And over time, they get more and more complex because they have added rules to sort of close loopholes. So if you think that you've thought of like a loophole that's just like, why, does, why don't people do this all the time? It's probably because it was closed like two decades ago. And this is one of the examples of, of where that happens. So aside from the complexity of like, why don't we just double sign and trade Marcus Morris and Terry Rogier being, well, what if they don't agree? and they don't wanna go to where you're sending them. Um, There's something called base year compensation, which is a a really weird rule that's existed for a long time in like sort of different versions, and it's been trimmed down to what it basically says now is, if you wanna sign and trade a player using bird rights, so basically one of your free agents, and uh, you have their rights to sign them for more than they made in the past, and you're gonna basically juice their salary way up because you wanna send them and do a sign and trade, that the actual value that you get to count in that outgoing salary is the greater of half of what their new salary is in the, in the coming year. So I think you said 12 million for Rozier. So 6 million or the salary that they had the previous year, which for Rozier is three something. Right. So like he would, you could sign him for 12, but he would only count for 6 million going out. Um, but he counts for 12 million for the team receiving, I guess complicated in, in some of the rules that happen with that. But basically this rule is to say like, you can't just sign guys for big, big paydays and, Send them off and send cash with them and all that stuff. And we actually, the Celtics, if uh, if people think back far enough to uh, the the famed Nets trade, the reason that Keith Bogans got a big payday, he got paid like five million something, is because they needed two and a half million dollars in order to get the salary matching to work. And so they paid him double that to get around this base year compensation thing. And then so he got a nice big fat sign and trade payday, and then never really you know played again. Uh, And that's where that all comes in. So it gets really complicated in terms of like getting players to agree, getting teams to agree, who has leverage. And then there's just this rule you have to get around, which um, it's, you know, if you want to give a player a big raise and you're trying to just do it for the purpose of a sign and trade, it it doesn't necessarily work quite that well.
1: So there's going to be a lot of very specific Uh, instances where we can discuss this but this is just something to keep in mind for later in the conversation for our listeners uh there's some other things impacting boston summer including uh when well we we now have aaron baines opting in uh and we now have as expected Kyrie irving opting out or not opting in i guess there's a difference uh which maybe you can help me understand (laughs) <laughs> okay, good. That's good to know. Because it seemed pretty similar to me. It's just a, a, yeah. a basic it's basically semantic as far as I could tell. Yes. Good. Okay. Um so Kyrie Irving opted did not opt in to use the correct language, uh, to his current deal, which of course everyone expected. Uh and we can talk about some other issues related to that in a moment, but you know, there's also the issue of the moratorium, uh, and when, when free agents uh, can make decisions. Like one of the things that people are saying is, well, can't we just trade for AD right now since Kyrie Irving uh, has not opted into his contract? So maybe using that as an example, you could explain, you know, Al Horford's situation, not in terms of what you think he's going to do, but just the basic mechanics.
2: Uh, there's a lot, a lot in there, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of different things that that'll come into play here. So uh, the first thing to know in terms of like deadlines is that once you have passed the uh, the trade deadline for say the 2018-19 season, you can't trade players who will be a free agent or who could be a free agent. So you can't trade a player who has a player option or an ETO, which barely exists anymore. Uh, if they still have that possibility open. Once they agree that they're going to stay and that they want to you know, play the next year, they then become available to be traded again because you aren't trading a player who's a pending free agent. So you can't trade Kyrie Irving now because he's not opting in. You could trade Aaron Baines because he has opted in. Now there are some reports out there that they've sort of made at least some level of, of commitment to him saying we're not going to just turn around and trade you, we, you know. But by rule, they, can, they could trade him now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al Horford hasn't made that decision yet. So he could not be traded until he does make that decision. I believe his option deadline is the 29th, uh, June 29th. But like the reporting on these have been pretty sketchy. Like it was listed in a number of places that Baines's was the 29th and then it turned out it was today or yesterday and he did it a couple days ago. Um, So the reporting on these things can kind of be sketchy. These aren't public contracts, right? It's all sort of leaked through different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can't trade Horford until he makes a decision if he opts out. Even though he's under contract through the end of June, you aren't allowed to trade him. He'll be a pending free agent. You can't trade that player after the deadline. If he opts in, you could trade him. But obviously, he has a lot of control here. If his deadline really is the 29th and, say, the draft is the 20th, if he hasn't made a decision formally, you can't trade him on draft day. Um, Now, a lot of this doesn't really matter. It matters in some of the really specific details and, and things, but what mostly happens around the draft is that trades are agreed to and then not formalized until July, until mm-hmm. the—I think this year it's July 6th is when the, the moratorium is scheduled to end. Last year, they just sort of cut it short when they, like, finished the audit. They were like, everybody have at it. Go nuts. Um, there's deadlines that are more firm for, like, restrictive free agency matching, but whatever. You get into, again, tons of detail in all this. The CBA is hundreds of pages long. Um but the important thing is, like, the Nets trade that was already announced, it was announced, you know, last week, where they're clearing salary and they're, you know, you're getting rid of Alan Crabb so that they can make double max cap space, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's been announced and everybody accepts that it's done. That trade can't officially go through until July or until July 6th, right? So, like, teams do this every single year. It's why if you go into the, like, the basketball reference history of of teams and draft picks, there's all these picks that you're like, wait, I thought that, what do you mean Charlotte drafted Kobe Bryant? It's like, well... They, dra- they drafted him, and then they traded his rights to the Lakers, right? There's all this stuff about, like, you can't formally do it. It's why players have to wear the wrong hats on the stage all the time, and you're like, we mm-hmm. already know that you've been traded, but what are we waiting for? So there's all this kind of, like, paperwork contract stuff that happens around the end of one league season and the beginning of the other. It can matter in some instances. It doesn't particularly matter right now for the Celtics, at least. Um If you want another example, it kind of does matter for the Lakers a little bit because the Lakers like don't have enough tradable salary to formally trade for Anthony Davis right now because they don't have literally enough dollars that are not pending free agents to to trade Mm -hmm. away unless they want to trade LeBron. So, again, it can make differences on like the day that things are signed and what hat you have to wear on the stage. But in general, like all the teams are dealing with this. They all talk. They all are perfectly fine making a handshake agreement and saying we'll formalize this in July. And it's usually not worth sort of getting you know agita about it'll it it all just kind of works out
1: so now that we're getting towards things that are more concrete like anthony davis maybe we can take some of these basic principles and use them to take a look you know from a cat perspective from a from a cba perspective some of the more popular uh tropes circulating uh around Anthony Davis and some of the other potential trade options out there like for example we hear from Woj that the Pelicans are looking for an all-star a potential all-star and picks and unless the Celtics uh, can convince them that Gordon Hayward counts as the all-star it seems that there's going to need to be some kind of give on one side or the other or third team um, so what are your thoughts on the likelihood of Boston being involved in one of these, you know, three team situations? Uh, and I don't know, anything, anything more generally you can think of uh, related to an Anthony Davis trade that we should be keeping in mind?
2: Honestly, not really. <laughs> um, it seems to me like if the Celtics are involved in this, it should be relatively straightforward. Um they're, the Celtics are always willing to get involved in things and facilitate things if they think they can get value. The best example of this is that they helped Cleveland sign LeBron James back from Miami, right? They took Tyler Zeller and uh, and Marcus Thornton, and they cleared contract, they cleared out cap space for the Cavaliers, and they got a draft pick out of it. And even though they were helping a team that's theoretically their rival at that point. The Celtics weren't expecting to be very good, and so maybe they weren't even thinking of him as a rival, but they're a conference rival. They're a rival for a lot of things. You're bringing LeBron and keeping him in the conference, all that. But they were willing to to facilitate that if they got value. And so it's not that I don't think that they would facilitate it, even if it meant Anthony Davis going somewhere else. It's just, what else? Like, where are they going to get involved? They don't. The problem is... You know, if anybody wanted Gordon Hayward or if the Pelicans wanted Gordon Hayward, there wouldn't be a third team trading to get Gordon Hayward to send them to the Pelicans like we would be the team sending him to the Pelicans. Exactly. So, right. in terms of Anthony Davis trade, it seems pretty straightforward. There's kind of three ways to, to get there. You can trade one of the Jays, Marcus Smart. Maybe they'll accept all defense in lieu of all star um, and draft picks, something, whatever, and make a little bit of salary filler in there with the Abuselli and stuff like that. Make that package. There's option number one. Option two being you include Gordon Hayward instead of Marcus Martin, the salary filler, one of the J's, Hayward, whatever. All the questions you might have about will they trade Gordon Hayward? Is it bad karma? Brad Stevens is going to quit in a huff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, salary-wise, you you can do that. And then the third is one that that we can get into. It's something I wrote about on uh, Boston Sports Journal where, like, once a year I pop up and drop a free post in there if anybody is interested in it uh, about how you could – Sort of, I've talked about timing. You could stretch things way out and sort of agree to a basic framework of like Tatum and the Memphis pick and give us a month to figure out what's left. And maybe we'll include smart if we have to, but if not, we're going to try to work. A, I said that sign in trades are difficult, but if it's three team sign in trades where it's like you're just giving a draft pick to whoever signs Marcus Morris and you're creating a like you can structure things there and I wrote again I wrote kind of more specifically about some of the details of it that we don't necessarily need to talk through but that would be kind of the third way I see that it could happen being a third team facilitator for somebody else bring having to bring a third team in for the Celtics unless it's for a relatively small part like I don't know unless unless they don't want Jason Tatum and they really want Bradley Beal or something like that like I'm guessing if if Anthony Davis is a Celtic it will end up being a relatively straightforward trade just because it seems like all the parts are already there
1: I suspect as well. Uh, This, you know, makes me think of the other half of that equation, uh, which is either uh, figuring out what to do if Kyrie leaves. Uh, We have seen some ideas about a sign-in trade to Brooklyn to try to retain some value. Uh, I mean, apart from the fact that what's in it for Brooklyn, uh, really? (laughs) um, (laughs) I guess you could throw some of those picks at them to try to convince them. Uh, but that doesn't seem like a very wise idea given their aspirations if they're going to go all in with all that cap space and Kyrie Irving. Um, and, you know, the the biggest one, which, I mean, I don't even need you necessarily to explain why it would be so insane based on what you were saying earlier about sign-in trades, but the idea of maybe getting Russell back on some kind of a deal and some kind of crazy sign-in trade situation. Uh, any thoughts on any of that?
2: Uh, yeah, it gets... You can get very creative and complicated and double sign in trade world and, and all that. Uh, but let's start here. If Kyrie Irving wants to go to Brooklyn, the Nets have cap space to sign him. They don't need a sign and trade. There's no financial value in sign and trades anymore. You can't. The Celtics can't give him a bigger contract than he would get in Brooklyn. He can't get a fifth year. He can't do any of that. Uh, they can sign. He can sign with the Nets and it will be exactly the same. Now the Celtics could go to Brooklyn and say hey, if you do this as a sign-and-trade because we want to create a, a trade exception, it would be a, a slightly over $20 million trade exception because of those base year compensation rules, even if he mm-hmm. assumingly signs for the full $32.7 million max, what the Celtics would get is about $20 million trade exception. You can't combine trade exceptions with other players, blah, 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 blah. You can make creative third-team trades doing this, three-team trades, four-teams, or whatever. You can go crazy with this. But functionally, like they could go to the Nets and say, hey, we'll give you a draft pick if you turn this into a sign-and-trade. And if it's a good enough pick or if they feel altruistic, whatever, if they don't think that the Celtics are that much of a rival going forward, they might agree to do it. Now, you can make your own decisions about whether or not that asset, a trade exception, is worth giving up a draft pick or not. Uh, it depends on what you think of the draft, I suppose. Um, so you can, you can go down that path relatively straightforward. That happens, right? That, that happens, you know, once or twice a year maybe during the offseason, it usually isn't even like, it's barely reported, like a trade that had been a- agreed to a week before. You might hear like, oh, they're talking about details and maybe they're doing this and that. So what happens. It's not shocking. Um, so it's a possibility. If you want to get into the double sign-in trade, then things start to get complicated because now you get into, again, those base year compensation rules where it would be like Kyrie's this year salary would count outgoing. That's about $20 million. Half of D'Angelo Russell's future salary would count. You think he's going to sign for $27 million, so you're you know, those two numbers are relatively close, but it's the outgoing salary is what counts for the teams, but the full amount you're taking, like the, the math gets a little bit weird. You get additional complications, like just because Kyrie wants to go to Brooklyn doesn't mean D'Angelo Russell wants to go to the Celtics and he would have to sign the contract and agree with it. <laughs> I mean, maybe he would. Maybe he'd be like, oh, that's a perfect situation. I can step right in and I can, I don't know, whatever. Uh, you'd have to think that he's worth a full max contract because I can damn well guarantee you that if. You, that if the Celtics are like going to him, try to get this to happen, then he would have all, he would have the leverage to say, uh, yeah, full max. So you have to think he's worth the full max. The Nets would have to want to participate. So, again, you're going to have to give him some kind of draft asset. And they're probably going to look at this and say, hey, we're not just getting you a TPE. We're giving you an all star. If you think he's overrated or underrated or whatever, we're giving you an all star. You are gonna have to give stuff to the Nets to do it. Um, in this case, both teams get hard-capped. If you receive a player in sign-and-trade, you get hard-capped at an amount that's a little bit more than $6 million over the luxury tax, which for the Celtics would matter. The Celtics have high-paid players. If Al Horford's coming back, Gordon Hayward makes a lot of money. Um, that, so that could become a, a factor in all this in terms of the Celtics would hard-cap themselves receiving a player in sign-and-trade. So there's, there's just a lot of things that happen in there. Where, again, like just the most obvious thing that will happen here is if Kyrie wants to go to Brooklyn, he's going to sign with the Nets, and the Celtics are going to get nothing. because. That's the way it works. Remember how wh- how like how much we thought it was a joke that Utah was like freaking out, and there were people in Salt Lake City being like, the, "They owe us Jay Crowder in a sign and trade if they're going to take our player." <laughs> yes, it's like, I do. Oh, no, they don't. You just you just sign the guy if you have the cap space, and that's probably what's going to happen if he ends up in Brooklyn. So don't be that guy. Don't be the guy who was in Salt Lake City writing about how the Celtics owe you Jay Crowder. That's not the way it works.
1: If we could avoid burning Kyrie Irving's uh, jersey when he leaves, uh, I'm assuming he's leaving. That would be that would be nice too. If you want to hate him forever, if you want to put him in the Rick Fox uh, change teams and, and made me hate him forever uh, situation, let's, let's yeah. see if it was the Lakers even. Fine, great, but Go like, let's it. just not do the, the the burning of the jerseys. That's you uh, gotta get those likes and uh,
2: retweets. Like, you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> Something, yeah.
2: Everybody who I does it know. seems there's always seems to be a camera around when everybody does it. It's
1: weird, isn't it? It's very <laughs> yeah. odd. Um. Similarly, there has been some reporting about Houston being on Boston's radar, and, you know, Steve Kyler, he's, he's, he's got some pretty good intel in that, that situation. He's had some questionable issues in the past, but, I mean, everyone does. That's just the way that the game works. Your sources are only as good as their actual access to the people involved and just because they hear them and talk to them and whatever doesn't necessarily mean that it's true and when you do hear things that from people who do have reliable uh, sources even if you what you are hearing is you know legitimate just because someone is say talking to houston doesn't necessarily mean they're doing anything other than due diligence but that said what do you think of this? Uh, these Houston rooms about Capella p- potentially, or maybe you know uh, Eric Gordon or Chris Paul or PG Tucker. Is there anything there that you can think of that makes sense?
2: Uh, there actually is in this case for me. It's not a path that I'm like super high on, but um, I think there are some things here that that could make sense. So the first thing I think that's important is something that you said, which is that you're doing due diligence, right? So um, one thing that I've I've noted is that whenever basically whenever the people who are doing the nuts and bolts of like GM work, so GMs themselves are usually pretty guarded. But when you have a person like Mike Zarin who does an interview and they do sometimes every once in a while for something or guys on other teams who are sort of in that role, a lot of what they say is that like, however much you think that teams are talking to each other, it's more than that. They call each other all the time. They call in just to check in on players who have no chance of being traded. People call Milwaukee and ask about trading for Giannis. Like, it's just because why not? What else are you going to do? Your job is Maybe to call teams try to a basketball team all the time. Right? Like if you've ever done fantasy sports, somebody there's somebody in your league who sends you really ridiculous trades, wondering if you'll say yes, right? Like it happens. So intel on teams talking, all teams are always talking. So you can you can take that that far. In the terms of this particular one, I think the the potentially interesting thing involves Capella. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Eric Gordon doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Chris Paul for the Celtics doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, if they want to make James Harden available, that would make sense. Great, let's talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but that doesn't seem likely. Uh, but yeah. Capella does make some amount of sense, right? Like so, the problem that that the the Rockets have perceived to have, and maybe this has changed with uh, KD and Clay both being injured, is that they struggle ultimately in that in that one matchup, like pretty much everybody else has. And Al Horford would seem to be a better fit um, in those matchups than Capella. Capella. Some people think he's a pretty good switch defender. Others don't particularly think that. But he's not a shooter, doesn't space the floor at all. Having floor spacers around Harden and and Chris Paul, if he regains some of his previous form or not, we don't don't really know with his age, um, Mm -hmm. that's really helpful. So you could imagine that Houston might prefer Horford to Capella. And you could imagine a situation where Kyrie leaves and they don't trade for Anthony Davis and they're going into a youth movement. And having Al Horford at the age that he is, like you pretty much need, would need to cash out now, or you're probably never going to really get any value out of him in terms of going forward. You may get a couple more years out of him. He might renegotiate a contract with the Celtics, and you may get a couple of nice, you know, couple more nice years out of it. But that's going to end, and you're not going to get much out of it. Capella is signed long-term, signed for a fair price. He's 25 years old, uh, so you can see how it might make sense for the Celtics to want Capella. So there you go. Rockets might want Horford. Celtics might want Capella. You can imagine a situation where it would make sense for both teams. The way that it would make sense to me to work is that Horford would opt out or not opt in, if you want to get into the specifics of it again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he would do a sign-in trade. So sign-in trades are difficult, but they're not impossible. And this is a situation where it might actually happen, going to a team that does not just have cap space to do it. So if he were to sign a contract for starting at $18 million, $20 million, something like that, you could send him to Houston. Houston sends back Capella. It opens up a whole bunch of problems around timing. He has to to know what's going to happen so he can opt in or out. When do you actually do this trade? Now, the Houston Rockets are hard capped, and that's going to be a challenge for them. But it seems like their owner is cheap anyway, and so maybe they're going to have to operate under those sort of limits anyway. We don't really know. Um, So there's a lot of questions that come in. But that one structurally makes some sense to me. If the Celtics are forced into a youth movement, Capella might be appealing. Even if it's just a trade him two years down the line, have somebody on the books who maintains value, Horford might make sense for the Rockets. Player who sort of more fits into what the challenges they've been facing over the last couple of years are. And so I can see something theoretical there. You can see lots of theoretical things. I'm not saying anything's going to happen, but like that one, I don't know about you, like, but that one makes some amount of sense to me.
1: I can see it now. I have seen some. I have some concerns about how he would fit in in the system, but I mean, we just went through an entire season where the system wasn't really the system. Yep. Uh, so I mean, I guess that's a secondary condition compared to trying to retain some kind of value. I mean, this would definitely get Horford to a championship team, which is one of his main goals uh, yep. that he's expressing anyway. So I, I can see it that way too. I do have some concern, and I've you know I've, I've written on this on Celtics Life uh with with, from the same basic perception that this would only really make sense in in terms of trying to retain some value from someone who was going to leave anyway um yeah and, and in my mind uh it does make sense but then you know some people have asked like does it make sense when we have someone like robert williams on the roster who is basically just like a younger sloppier uh less experienced version of capella uh but you know Capella has conditioning issues that I don't anticipate going away anytime soon if I understand correctly it's some kind of asthmatic related situation and so he's basically forever stuck at about 25 to 30 minutes per game so it seems to me like you might be able to carve out enough space for him to continue to develop with the club at least for a year or two uh particularly with Horford gone um but I don't know that that seems like I'm getting you know a little bit too into the weeds and something that as we, we were saying is, is seemingly mostly a contingency plan uh, but speaking of contingency plans uh, there's been some talk about Mike Conley coming on uh, now that that would probably also be a sign in trade I'm assuming and it seems to me that the only situation this make would make sense is something more along the lines of a Gordon Hayward sign and yeah. trade because otherwise you're just moving salary that to me for you know kylie's still a very good point guard but you know he could just fall off a cliff anytime now at his age and he's, he's completely on the wrong age group for the rest of the roster so what are, what are your thoughts on on uh, that particular aspect
2: yeah this one doesn't make that much sense to me um the so there are some sign and trade considerations in here where uh if Kyrie going to brooklyn if you could turn that into a sign-in trade where you get a TPE for the full value of everything he's signing for in Brooklyn and not this base-year compensation limit of, like, $20 million, then you'd have a a trade exception big enough to just take Conley into it. And if you were in that situation, like, maybe you would think about that. Um, If you're talking about trading Gordon Hayward, like, I think even with Hayward's huge unknowns, like, I would probably just rather keep Hayward um, because... There's a possibility that he comes back and returns to some form. i, I just rather have a wing than, like, whatever... I, I don't know what Conley is, the 10th best point guard in the league? Like, you're not really going anywhere with that. He's on the wrong side of 30, like you said. He makes a lot of money. There's not really an upside there. There's more upside, in, in my opinion, in Hayward returning to his prior form, playing at a position where everybody just constantly needs it. Uh, he cr- gives you some of the creation that you were probably missing on the team anyway. Uh, but, yeah, you see things out there where it's like, oh gordon hayward and a draft pick for mike conley and like maybe they could get the memphis they could get their own pick back you would get like nobody that's never gonna happen um but you know could you gordon hayward and the celtics first round pick next year the lottery protected for mike conley like i mean you can make it work It just i don't i don't see the point <laughs> sort of where i land on it um and so it i don't know it seems unlikely there are other players out there who who are point guards who you could talk about targeting sort of uh, you know, Dragage gets thrown out there and then people like that that maybe make more sense because they make a, a decent amount of less money and you could fit him in different ways. But Conley just makes so much money. He's in his thirties. He's he's you know, he's a 32-year-old zero time all-star. And I get that he plays in the West, but uh, no thanks.
1: I, I completely agree. I feel that point cards are the second most mercenary position in the league at this point behind centers. Yeah. And you can you can easily find someone who is a starter level if not star and then use use your your money in, or well, in this case that money, you use your cap space uh, slash contract slash assets to trade for somebody like Bradley Beal maybe, or somebody, somebody who has at least a little bit more offensive impact and youth uh, if you are going to do something that could potentially piss off Brad Stevens as you noted. I don't think that is uh, as serious of an issue. I, I'm pretty sure Brad understands the situation he's in right now in relationship to his former player and current player. Uh, but you know, maybe, maybe there is something to keeping him happy there. And I don't know. I just don't, I don't really think that we need to be looking to Conley as an option, at least under his current deal. Um, Last thing out there, I think, which has been, you know, completely transformed uh, along with free agency in general is Kevin Durant. Uh, You wrote an article that I loved uh, that got all of us thinking about the potential of maybe adding Kevin Durant as a sleeper option, uh, which obviously would most likely be an opt-in in in trade. Uh, But
2: I think you can probably kick that one to the curb now uh, if it it was Never a likely thing, but uh, yeah. I mean, I got. I I'm not a reporter. I don't normally get scoops. I uh, I have been. A, uh, I've been a blogger, right? <laughs> uh, like you said, I was uh, editing uh, Celtics Hub. Um, and, and I got a little inside info. Um, that uh, the the parties had talked and just sort of sounded each other out about the possibility of an opt-in, um, and and him landing in the Celtics. Uh, this was quite a while ago now. Uh, the way the Celtics season went, you would think that it would seem less attractive from his end, but also he has a, a an injury that will likely keep him out for all of next year or, or darn near it. Um, so that that seems to be uh, off the table. Uh, but yeah, the point of that uh, that was he could opt in and you could trade someone like Horford to Golden State. Um, Durant would come here. Kyrie would then resign. He's now playing with his best friend. You'd still have all the pieces that you could trade for Anthony Davis. Um, these sorts of like thinking really big and creative outside the box uh they're actually really important in terms of the way that the team operates the way that maybe half the league operates there's teams that don't really think this way because they're happy to kind of be where they are within the league hierarchy um but this is the kind of thing that the celtics think about it's important to to be creative and looking out for those even if ultimately 99 percent of the time they come to nothing and i would say that at this point we can be pretty sure that that's going to come to nothing
1: (laughs) so i know you have stuff you need to get to but I just want to ask you before we let you go if there's anything out there that you're working on that we should keep an eye on. I know that you have your roster builder site uh, that you are regularly updating, but there's also. Fair uh, well, <laughs> fair. Fair enough. Um, but you also had a thing that I saw you posting about recently in terms of trying to determine the the value of draft picks. Maybe you could just give us a very brief synopsis of, of what that is and where we could find it.
2: Um, so this is one of my longer term projects. You mentioned one of them, roster builder.com, roster builder.com, which is a, a tool that I created a couple of years ago for like managing the salary cap. Um, but one of my other longer term projects, I don't know why I'm interested. I don't watch college basketball. I don't, Care, but I'm interested in the value of draft picks. Um, and so a couple of years ago, I was like, how come there's not one of those pick cards that they always talk about during the NFL draft, where they're like, oh, the the 112th pick plus the 154th pick should get you the 89th pick, and it's like, what? That why isn't there one of those for the NBA? And there's a lot of reasons. There aren't as many players. Blah 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 blah. But I worked on making one of those. um So I have a little chart. If you follow me on Twitter at dangercard, it's You'll find it somewhere in my history Um, recently, like yesterday or the day before. Um, And it's a little table that says, "Okay, the number one pick is worth 4,000 points. So how many points are every other pick scaled down from there? And if you add, say, the 14th pick and the 20th pick together, it says, oh, that should be worth the fourth pick. Now, this is based on actual performance of players drafted in those spots of every year since the lottery began. It is not based on the value of prior trades. There is no trade in recent history where the 14th pick and the 20th pick would get you the fourth pick. But that's because you always have to overpay to trade up, right? So it's a question Mm -hmm. of how much are you overpaying? If you get to the 10th pick, you better be darn sure that there's a player who you think is like the fourth or fifth best player sitting there at 10. If you can get up to the sixth pick, you're doing pretty well in terms of historical averages, but you still should expect that you're probably overpaying a little bit for that pick. And so that's what the card is really about. It's looking at... The relative values of actual performance of those players drafted in those slots over more than 30 years now, and you add up two numbers and it says, oh, okay, that should be worth this or that, and that's pretty much what it is. Um, and like I said, I updated every year. I updated it a couple of days ago. Um, I, whether or not it's helpful, Kevin Pelton from ESPN, the analytics guy, released uh, did a project and released his card like literally two weeks after the first time I released mine four years ago. And they're pretty close. So I actually feel pretty good about that, that he got very similar results than I did. His changes more year to year because he adds in different variables. He tries to factor in some different things that I don't bother about because I don't think they matter all that much. Um, But they track close enough where you're like, oh, that's reasonable. Uh, So mine, his, whatever you want. Um, It's a good little tool on draft night because there's probably going to be trade-ups between Atlanta, the Celtics, other teams that haven't. Philly has a lot of second-round picks. So probably be a decent amount of movement on the 20th. Something to keep on the side of your screen while you're watching.
1: And as we mentioned at the start of this segment, there are all kinds of crazy, crazy things that are almost certainly going to happen. Hopefully not before we get this published, but uh, I want to thank you for coming on in spite of all the uncertainty surrounding this and your busy schedule. Thank you so thank much you for right? having me. And if Anytime. there's something
2: good that happens for the Celtics, I'm, I'm totally fine with it happening while we were talking. Uh, as totally. as it's good. So, as <laughs> long okay. But thanks for having me.
1: Anytime. Take care.
0: So we mentioned it before, Toronto Raptors, uh, NBA champion, uh, first time in franchise history, Kawhi Leonard, uh, finals MVP. I mean, Klay Thompson tears his ACL in that game. About coming back out there to shoot those free throws too. Um, we, we talked a lot about Durant earlier, but Klay Thompson also another impact on free agency as well, because as, as we know, his contract is up as well.
1: Yeah, with that tax bill, I really, I'm really curious to see how Golden State plans to return this. I suspect that the, the plan will be to try to re-sign both of them and then spin one of them off.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think the play will be to re-sign both of them. But I do think, I mean, here's the thing, they can monitor them both through the year. You know, uh, the Warriors may not be in a position to make the playoffs. Maybe they would sneak in even without them um, in the West. Yeah, they, they would probably, I think a Steph Curry, Draymond Green. I, I think they have enough to get them into the bottom of the, at least the bottom of the uh, Western Conference playoffs. But then, you know, you play it by year at that point. If if either one of them's ready to play, play them. Um, but if you're not sure and you don't want to rush somebody back, those guys, if they don't see – if a team doesn't see them play poorly on the court, they're still going to hold some value next offseason. So you'd be able to deal either one of them probably in the offseason without without letting like teams see them losing a step. Because guys can look great in workouts, but when, until you see them playing a game, you're not going to know if they're going to be the same player or not. So, And I'm sure there's – right. And I'm sure the other teams would be willing to roll the dice – there's plenty of them in the Knicks, right? They just get, get us a name, please, right? Um, uh, so, you know, I, I think you're spot on with that, and I think that is the the right play. Some some other Boston news. We had David Ortiz shot in the nightclub in the Dominican Republic. Kind of a wild, wild story. Um, expected to make a full recovery. He's uh, The Red Sox flew him up to Boston. Um, you know, we, there was a huge um, amount of outreach from, you know, former C's Boston sports figures. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, it's an awful thing to see. Um, but at the same time, um, to see everybody rally around it, you know, you, you could take some kind of positive from it, um, from a, a terrible situation. Um, they've got these guys, they, they've so far, I think 10 people have been identified uh, as part of this, I don't know, uh, conspiracy to, to assassinate essentially David Ortiz, um, with a with a bounty involved, it's wild, wild stuff.
1: From what I'm hearing, and I'm not a baseball guy, uh, there is some kind of rumor. You know, David Ortiz is married, but there is some kind of rumor that he slept with a drug kingpin, local drug kingpin's wife. So he put out a bounty on his head, and this was the end result. Have you heard anything about that, or is this just like? News? No, I did.
0: I did hear that as well. Um, you know, there. I think a lot of the Boston sports media kind of tiptoes around it because no one wants to throw that out there. But I've seen that. Uh, in multiple places, so I mean, and whether it's true or not, it sounds—I don't want to say it sounds reasonable because it's not reasonable—but it sounds like a like a potential motive. Uh, so, so uh, a little lighter story. Uh, we, we had Pierce Pierce been on the broadcast obviously through throughout the playoffs for ESPN, and uh, it's kind of funny though because this Pierce news came out before we had. Um, it, it, so the news came out even before. Klay uh, Thompson returned to the court to shoot those free throws. Uh, everyone thought he was pulling a Paul Pierce, but Paul Pierce talked about in the 2018, 20, oh, excuse me, 2008 finals. Uh, when he went down with what looked like a, an awful knee injury uh, and came back and he joke. I, I still think he was kidding, but everyone seems to think this is gospel now that um, he did it to take a shit. Uh,
1: so um, and he needed to take care of the shit that he took.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, will that. Right. He said he had to poop, whatever that means. I, I don't buy it. I don't. But um, I think he was joking. But everyone else seems to think that it's the truth. And now he's got. Now he's got his own CBD out. I saw that tweeted out the other so day. For
1: people who aren't aware what CBD is, CBD is a derivative of cannabis. Uh, that doesn't get you high, but does at least verifiably help people with epilepsy, not have recurrent epileptic seizures. Uh, And there are lots and lots and lots of people who claim that it still has uh, stress and depression and uh, inflammation-reducing qualities, all. Uh, Now, these are not verified claims the fda still has not decided whether or not it actually does these things it does believe that it is safe so i don't think you have anything to worry about by you know patronizing uh paul pierce's new venture uh i know plenty of people who swear up and down by the results of medical marijuana so it doesn't seem for the same reasons so it doesn't seem like too much of a stretch for me uh to hear from someone who says that, you know, smoking weed literally saved their life after being stabbed, Uh, you know, earlier on in his career, he was famously nearly killed in a nightclub and ended up playing all 82 games the following season, just a few weeks after being stabbed. Um, But, you know, the the physical injuries aside, he was very profoundly affected by what happened on that night. Emotionally, Uh, for years after, and claims that marijuana, not not CBD, but actual pot, uh, which he somehow managed to get past the drug testing, uh, was instrumental in turning his life around. So, you know, when people like that say that sort of thing, I take it seriously. Uh, But, you know, it's not been uh, all fun and games with Pierce either, because we may be seeing a lot less of him, uh, perhaps because of some of his wildly inaccurate claims, until you know, coming back to Raptors and Six that prediction.
0: hmm Yeah, he nailed it.
1: But I don't know. The folks at ESPN they can't seem to find a good combination of people they're happy with, you know, hosting uh, coverage for live NBA games. So we may you know they haven't fired him. They're get they're canning Michelle Beadle over there at ESPN as as the host uh, with him and he's not canned, but he will be seeing Uh, Less airtime ESPN uh, as they continue to downsize. And I'm just going to jump right to the end of the show here because we have battered your ears with information that has been assaulting your eyes with all kinds of guesses and Ouija board divination about what the hell is going to happen in the next hour, week, month. Uh, So rather than continuing to burn your ears off, I'm just going to ask you guys all to check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We will have all the latest news about what's going on, all of this stuff. And we'll let you know, you know, along with this podcast, about the things you should probably pay less attention to just because they are completely implausible or coming from questionable sources. Uh, And, you know, in order to do that, listen and subscribe to this podcast, which you can find on Wishbook, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, MLA, and pretty much any podcatcher app out there. Make sure you subscribe, or you could miss the most important news in a decade in the NBA, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and if you don't like something other than that trade that I'm alluding to, uh, I don't have any control of that, and neither does Mark, uh, just leave us a, a suggestion. Just let us know with a comment on any Celtics like article or on Twitter with the hashtag CLPOD. Because, Mark, what are we trying to do here? I'm
0: trying to bring you guys the coverage you want the way you like
1: it. With that, we are out with the rest of the Celtics season crumbling behind us in an uncertain Celtics future. Uh, next time we talk, it may be about a radically different roster. Let's all cross our fingers. and for the next.
0: Later, y'all.